0: This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Greetings, beloved, in the matchless, marvelous, majestic, and magnanimous name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. I greet you this Tuesday with Jesus joy, and I'm certainly grateful and thankful to have this opportunity to connect with you for another walk through the Word of God. As we are continuing our study of the book of Leviticus, as we are setting sights on spiritual standards, we engage in today's lesson in yet another standard that is found in the book of Leviticus. We are approaching uh, the closing of the book of Leviticus, and so I pray that we have seen already God's con- instructions, God's continual instructions for his people. And I pray that throughout this New Testament study, you have seen not only how it relates to them then, but how it applies to us today. We have yet another exciting lesson. We've got a short one today, um, maybe to this week and next week. We'll see how time goes as we continue in our study of the standards as it relates to spirituality, holiness, the instructions that have been given to the Levites, the priests, the mediators between God and his chosen nation. Um, Today, we're going to take a look at chapter 23, as we will discuss the standard of worship and celebration. Uh, It's a very relatively short lesson, uh, but there is so much in one chapter that I'm afraid that we will not have the time to encounter all of it. So if we don't get the entire chapter today, it's all right. Uh, There's always next Tuesday, the Lord shall say the same. But I pray and trust as always that you have your handout. You've got your note taking material. You've got your Bible and you are ready to walk through God's word with us today. Let's take a moment. Let's pray before we dive in. Gracious and heavenly father, we tell you thank you for this day. We thank you for our life, our health, our strength. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and your love toward us, how you continue to look beyond our every fault and supply us with every one of our needs. God, as I stand before your people, I realize I have read, I have studied, but God, only you know what your people need to hear. So I pray now, God, that you would speak to me, speak through me, allow your word to come to life in my words. So that as your people are listening and watching, the word will come to life to them. I thank you for this chance and I praise you for every chance. It is in the name of Jesus we pray and we praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Now, people of God, for me to begin today's lesson, I had to begin by making sure um, you understand and you realize that there is just as much Bible in world history as there is world history in the Bible. Um, if you have ever studied or have taken the opportunity to study world history, you will quickly come to understand the relevance of scripture in relation to our history, uh, particularly as it relates to the Greek world or the Grecian world or the Hebrew nation. Uh, there is so much of our history there. Um, you may remember if you studied world history, uh, a man by the name of Julius Caesar. Uh, Caesar, if you remember, I remember in high school showed up in world history. He showed up in English class as well. Uh, as my junior thesis, uh, we actually discovered and studied the life of Julius Caesar. There is so much history um, which connects to Bible which lets us know even the more how true and how real and how relevant not only the Bible is, but how real and relevant history is. By the time of Julius Caesar, um, we are dealing with the standards of worship, the standards of celebration. Uh, Caesar that we find in scripture is believed to be the Julius Caesar that we deal with in world history. All right. Uh, We deal with that. We understand the all the timings, all of the uh, celebrations, all of the feast, which is a word that you're going to see a great deal throughout chapter 23. The word feast. Uh, When you see that word, I pray that you'll understand that we're not talking about eating per se. Uh, The word feast from a biblical standpoint is going to mean something totally different, but it's going to align itself with history and with what God gives instructions for Israel. All right. God gives Israel a calendar that was tied to world history. All right. It was an unusual calendar because it was not only summarizing what God had done for them in the past, but it was meant for them to remember and reflect on the things that he had done while they anticipate the things that God was getting ready to do. Basically, I pray for us as we study chapter 23, we're going to see Jesus, his sacrificial work and our mode and our purpose of celebration for everything that he has done for us. So in the way of introduction, the the basis of today's introduction and looking at chapter 23 is making sure that we see first and foremost that this section of scripture deals with the feast of God, the feast. Uh, As a matter of fact, throughout chapter 23, you're going to see the words feast and convocation more than you have so far in our study of Uh, the book of Leviticus, you're going to see those two words more than any time. As a matter of fact, the word feast is going to appear some nine times um, in chapter 23, and the words convocation or holy convocation are going to appear some 10 to 12 times in the chapter, all right? What's so important about this word feast is understanding, as I forestated, feast had nothing to do with eating. As a matter of fact, we're going to see as we walk through these feasts and these celebrations, there are a couple of them that God is going to give instructions or God had given instruction for them to fast during that time, all right? The word feast, letter um, uh, number two of the introduction, those of you who are following the introduction, uh, number two, the word feast in this particular passage in the Hebrew simply means an appointed time. It simply gives the idea that these people are going to meet for a time of gathering. Um, it's going to be a time of proclamation. It's going to be a time of announcement. It's going to be a time of celebration. In our lesson today, we're going to take a look at seven, seven um, appointed times, seven appointed seasons that God has given instruction. Remember, we told you, uh, bear with us um, uh, uh Modern technology has failed on us here. Give us just a moment as we seek to get it corrected. Um, as they correct it, I'll continue to talk. As we going, as we are going to see in this particular passage and in this particular study, we are going to see the importance of these seven biblical feasts, these seven biblical times that God is going to instruct the people. He's going to instruct the people to see the importance of these times of gathering. He's going to instruct them to really see the importance of not only their gathering, but also to realize that God needs to say something. God needs to perform something before the people. So before we get started with the seven uh, feast or the seven appointed times. Let's begin by looking at the first two verses of Leviticus chapter number twenty-three. Let's let's begin there. Let's begin there. The first two verses. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocations." They are my appointed feast. Now, in these two verses, we see here, once again, that God is giving Moses instruction. What we are seeing here are the instructions. Every time, remember we talked about this uh, the last couple of weeks, maybe two Tuesdays ago, we talked about the fact that anytime you read, particularly in this study, And the Lord said to Moses, or the Lord spoke to Moses, he's giving instruction. We are still in an instructional phase. And so that's one of the reasons why you're seeing a lot of duplication between Exodus and the book of Leviticus, because in the book of Exodus, the instructions were for the people. In the book of Leviticus, the instructions are for the Levites, for the priests, for Aaron and his sons in particular. So he says to them, I need you to speak to the people, and I need you to say to the people, these are the appointed feasts, these are the appointed times that you shall gather for proclamation and for announcement, all right? I gave you the, the definition of the word feast, but I think I ought to give you the word convocation. The word convocation basically means proclamation or announcement. So basically, anytime we see those two words there, it's basically saying that these are the appointed times that the people ought come together to receive proclamation and announcement, all right? The Lord appointed and announced these events, and these were the times that the people were to come together to celebrate. So let's begin. Let's take a look at the very first one. The very first one is found in verse number three. In verse three, we see uh, the very first one. Y'all bear with us. uh, For some reason, modern technology is doing its own thing this morning. There it is. All right. Number one, the first one is the weekly Sabbath the weekly Sabbath. Now, to remember the Sabbath, hold on to this fact, beloveds, because you gotta go all the way back to the book of Exodus, chapter number 20, verses eight through 11, where God gave the instruction to the people as it related to the Sabbath, all right? The Sabbath is different from the other six we're gonna cover in chapter 23, in that the Sabbath was not an annual feast. The Sabbath was a weekly feast. It was an important day that the Jewish people were expected, or let me change that word expected. They were commanded to honor, all right? They were commanded to honor it because according to Numbers chapter 15, verses 32 through 36, for them to dishonor it meant death. God God basically made it abundantly clear to the people that they had to honor the Sabbath. Now, this is not the first time that we have seen this. It's not the first time we've seen this. How many times have we heard him say, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, separate the Sabbath from all the other days, six days I've given you to do your work, but on the Sabbath, On the day of rest. Remember, we dealt with that in the book of Exodus, that we defined it as a day of rest and reflection. It is a day that we ought to cease from work and remember all the good things that God has done. It is a time that we should celebrate, commemorate, and thank God. That's one of the reasons why in the Christian world, we identify the Sabbath as Sunday, In the Jewish world, the uh, Sabbath is identified as from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Um, But no matter when it is, the whole concept and the principle that God was trying to teach the people was to remember that at least one day in a seven-day cycle, you should stop, rest, reflect, and commemorate. Let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at verse number three in Leviticus chapter number uh, 23, verse number three. And in that particular place, we find these words recorded. The word of God says, six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord, in all of your dwelling places. Now, one of the things that I wanna make sure that you see here already is that God gave the Sabbath to Israel for several reasons. All right, it's gonna be a review of Exodus chapter 20 here for a moment. For one, it provided rest and refreshment for the people, the farm animals, and the land, all right? Remember, we said that the word Sabbath comes from a Hebrew word that simply means to cease from labor, all right? In Genesis chapter number two, God mentioned and God said the Sabbath was there to remind the Jews that God was the creator and they were stewards of his gifts, all right, We're going to also see it in chapter 25, in Leviticus chapter 25, we'll see it there in a couple of weeks, that God ordained the Sabbath years and the year of Jubilee to keep the Jews from exploiting the land and impoverishing it. In other words, the Sabbath was meant to show God's concern for his creation, And that's the whole point of the Sabbath. It's our moment to see and have concern and to reflect and to thank God for everything that he has done. Couple of scriptures. According to Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 through 17, the Sabbath was also a sign between God and his covenant people, all right? Other people may work on the Sabbath and treat it like any other day, but the Israelites, God's chosen people, were to rest and they in their rest gave witness to the fact that they belonged to God. In Nehemiah chapter 13, verses 15 through 22, Nehemiah makes it clear that the Sabbath law wasn't given to Israel until they arrived at Sinai, all right, where Psalm 147 indicates that the law was never given to the Gentile nations. But we as people are reminded, okay? We are reminded, Romans 14 and 1, Colossians 2, 16 and 17 are reminders to us that resting one day in seven follows the principle of remembering the Sabbath day. I gotta clarify that because I gotta make sure that we understand that remember the Sabbath day is not found in the New Testament. It is not found, but the principle of resting one day out of seven is found. I want to say that one more time. I want to say that one more time. New Testament, the words remember or the command to remember the Sabbath day is not found. It is not found in the New Testament, but the principle of resting one day in seven is found in the New Testament. It's found in Romans chapter 14, verse 1, and Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. So the first appointed time is not annual or once a year. It is actually weekly. They were commanded to remember the Sabbath. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's take a look at the second one. The second one is found in verses four through eight. Leviticus chapter 23 verses four through eight is where we find the second principle. The second principle is Passover. Passover. What is so significant about Passover? The Passover. Let's let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it. and Let's see what the word of God shows us about the Passover. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days, you shall eat unleavened bread. Hmm. On the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. Y'all see it. There it is. But you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. Now, what are we seeing here? What, What is the message that we should be seeing as it relates to the Passover, all right? Passover, first of all, when we study it from a historical standpoint, is Israel's feast of deliverance, all right? This is found in Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, remember, an innocent lamb died for the firstborn because the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorpost. And remember that blood being applied to the doorpost, going back to Exodus, you remember when the death angel came through, if he saw the blood over the doorpost, he was to pass over that house and not take the lives of the firstborn, all right? This was the Lord's Passover and it was the means of deliverance that he provided the night when the death angel visited Egypt. And to reject the blood of the lamb was to accept judgment and death. Now, this is where Passover relates for us. Because according to John 1, verse 29, and even in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, we find that the lamb, is a symbol of Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on a cross for a world of sinners. First Corinthians five, seven tells us that Christ is our Passover. And so since the Passover lamb had to be perfect, it was chosen on the 10th day of the month and was watched carefully until he was slain on the 14th day, all right? How does that relate to us? According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, he who knew no sin became sin for us. 1 Peter chapter 2:22 said that he did no sin. And in Christ, 1 John chapter 3 verse 5, in Christ is no sin. All right? The firstborn Jews in Egypt weren't saved from death by admiring the lamb or caring for the lamb or loving the lamb. They were saved when the lamb was slain and the blood was applied to the doorpost of their house. In other words, let me make it live beloveds. The Jews fed on the lamb and this gave them strength for the journey ahead of them. No outsider according to Exodus 12 was to eat from the Passover feast. You either had to be born into the family or purchased. Remember that in Exodus uh, chapter 12, verses 48 and 49, it said that you either had to be born into the family or purchased, and the men had to bear on their body the mark of the covenant. Make Make it live for us, Pastor, let me make it live. Passover, is the beginning of the Jewish religious year. When sinners trust Christ, it marks for them a new beginning in a new life. Because not only was Israel delivered from judgment, the nation was also delivered from Egypt and set free to go to their promised inheritance. How does that relate to us? What that says to us is we have been freed. We have been delivered from judgment through the blood of the sacrificial lamb that sacrificed his life so that we can live eternally. And in the process of this celebration, verses six through eight of Leviticus chapter 23 tells us that for the seven days after this feast of Passover, the Jews were to eat unleavened bread with their meals and they were to clean all of the yeast out of their houses. Amen. In many places in scripture, leave leaven or yeast was a depiction or a description of sin. Thus, according to second Corinthians chapter six, verses 14 through chapter seven, verse one, we are getting rid of those things that will toxify us and separate us from our right relationship with God. We're getting rid of the old life, those things that belong to our uncon- unconverted days, we we get rid of those things. First Peter chapter four, verses one through five, tells us that we must put away the leaven of malice and wickedness. First Corinthians chapter five, verse eight, the leaven of hypocrisy. Luke chapter 12, verse one, the leaven of false doctrine. Galatians chapter five, verses seven through nine. The, the attitude of pride and worldliness. Matthew chapter 16, verse six. Basically, what we are saying here is that since he has passed over us and has delivered us from sin, we got to make sure every day of our lives, we are keeping ourselves clean and clear from sin, separating us from the word, will, and way of God. So you must understand this, beloved, just like us, the people during those days weren't saved from death and bondage by getting rid of leaven but by applying the blood of the lamb by faith. See, see, people think that they're saved when they get rid of something or they get rid of a bad habit. But good as that may be, there is only one way. There is only one way that man can be saved. We are saved through the sacrifice of the sinless lamb of God. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 19, who has redeemed us. And since he has redeemed us and we name the name of Christ, we must depart from evil. I pray that you're beginning to see how we're tying in Old and New Testament in these appointed times. Just for them, it was there to remind them of how God delivered them from death We must remember that Passover in the New Testament sense is a reminder of us, of how God sent his son Jesus into the world to allow us to be passed over from death in the midst of sin. We have been passed over, all right? we have been passed over. Dr. Warren Wiersbe said it this way. We must remember that the Christian life is not a famine or a funeral. It's a feast. It is an appointed time. First Corinthians chapter five, verse eight says that we must keep the feast with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. See, sin can be secretly introduced into our lives. And it quietly grows to the point that it pollutes the inner person. We can look good on the outside, but what's on the inside of us? And I think ought to tell us that if it's on the inside, sooner or later, it's going to come out and show. Amen. One toxic Christian in a church can defile the whole body if given enough time. One false doctrine, if it is allowed to grow, can destroy an entire ministry. That's why we must continuously and consistently be on our guard and courageously seek to keep God's word as free from sin and false doctrine as possible. Why? Through the blood of Jesus, we were passed over from death. Let's look at the, the, the third feast that we find. It's found in, found in verses 9 uh, through 14. Verses 9 through 14. Let's, let's take a look at that. The, the next feast uh, that is found is the Feast of the First Fruits. The Feast of the First Fruits. It's found in verses 9 through 14. Let's, let's look, look at that. Let's read those together. Leviticus chapter 23, verses nine through 14. We find these words recorded. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two tenths of an ephath of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen and you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched parched or fresh until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all of your dwellings. First fruits, first fruits, first fruits. Now. For us, we often uh, equate Proverbs chapter three verses nine and ten to what we're dealing with with first fruits. Honor the God with thy substance and with the first fruits of all of thine increase, so that thy barns may be filled with plenty and thy vats, thy wine presses, will burst forth with new wine. The day after the Sabbath, the day after the Sabbath that followed Passover would be the first day of the week, all right? Look there with me at verse 10. He says, tell the people, Moses, tell the people of Israel, say to them that when they come into the land that I give them, when you get to the promised land and you reap its harvest, you shall give the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. The priest was to take the first sheaf, the first harvesting of the barley from the field, and he was to wave it as an offering before the Lord. Remember, we talked about the wave offering was a wave offering. It was a token rather that the first and the best belonged to God always. And it was done before Israel was to reap harvest for themselves the wave offering was also an expression of gratitude to the Lord for giving the harvest and supplying their daily bread. According to verse 14, according to verse 14, the Jews weren't even allowed to eat of the harvest until the first fruits had been given to the Lord. Y'all see it there. Verse 14 you shall eat neither bread nor grain parched or fresh until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. This is an Old Testament picture of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 Verse 33, I've got time today. I'm going to take time to read it. Matthew chapter six, verse 33. What did he say? You know it, classic words. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All right? You see there that in verse 11, the priest is to wave the sheaf before the Lord on the day after the Sabbath, all right? The very first day of the week, all right? We find this in several places throughout the New Old Testament. It's found originally in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19. Nehemiah talks about it again in Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 34 through 37. And then of course, I've already referenced Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10. Look at verse 12 with me. Verse 12, he says, On the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Remember, we talked about the burnt offerings in the book of Exodus, in the last chapters of the book of Exodus. The male lamb being sacrificed as a burnt offering spoke of the nation's dedication to God. The meal offering and the drink offering were reminded that the two dietary staples of the people, the bread and the wine, came from God. But there's a deeper meaning as it relates to the first fruits. As a matter of fact, if you would, go with me very quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look with me at verse 20. I just want to take time to reference something here uh, so that we can see the old and the new Testament being connected. First Corinthians chapter 15, look with me very quickly at verse number 20. All right, here it is. Whereas it was grain, barley, bread, and wine for them, for us, it is Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits for those who have fallen asleep. Jesus compares his death and his burial to the planting of the seed. And then Paul comes back and carries it as seeing his resurrection as a harvest of the seed. All right. Here's the thing that we see. First thing, as it relates to us, is understanding that God accepts the sheaf for the whole harvest because the Father accepted Christ, and we, because of Christ, are accepted in him. That's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 6. But then secondly, we just referenced it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, but also if you look at verses 35 through 49 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we also see that the sheaf is like the harvest, all right? The priest didn't wave palm branches to represent the barley. He waved a sheaf of barley, all right? As the first fruits of the resurrection harvest, Jesus is now what one day his people shall be. As the resurrection harvest, according to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49, we shall be like him. The fact that this ritual took place on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, is significant. All right? Because that's the day that we say Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. in Psalm 118 verses 17 through 24 I'm going to, I'm going to reference that as a matter of fact let's turn there very quickly and I believe that's where we're going to stop today. time goes fast so fast time goes by so fast. Psalm 118 let's go there and uh, that's going to be our stopping point for today. Psalm 118. Verses 17 through 24. Mm. Look at what the psalmist says. Psalm 118 verses 17 through 24. The word of God says, says, I shall not die. I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, we have seen several verses that we often quote, all right? But I need you to look very closely at verse 18. Verse 18 said, the Lord had disciplined me severely, but had not given me over to death. Basically, this passage describes the resurrection victory of the Messiah over all of his enemies. It's also found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11 and verses 42 through 46. But if you look at verses, verse 24 of Psalm 118, that is a reference to the first day of the week, the resurrection day. This is the day that the Lord have made. This is the day that we celebrate his deliverance. This is the day that we celebrate his resurrecting us. This is the day that we celebrate him bringing us out of slavery for, for the Old Testament believer, bringing us out of slavery, bringing us into a land of promise, and allowing us to be able to rise back up after what we've been through. For the New Testament believer, it is a day of celebration of remembering what was meant to kill us has actually turned around and made us strong. Amen. Amen. So the first fruit celebration was a time of remembering how God brought them back up the first day of the week was a time of celebration, it was a time of reflection, it was a time of resurrection victory. This is the day that the Lord have made. We are going to rejoice. We're going to be glad. We're gonna find ourselves telling God, thank you for where you brought us from. We're gonna find ourselves telling God we remember where we were. We remember what we allowed ourselves to get into, but we will never forget what you got us out of. Amen. I'm going to stop right there because I tell you, time will not allow me to go any further. We've got about four more of the feasts that we're going to take a look at. And then we've got uh, three life applications that I want to share with you in that particular point uh, once we get there on next week. We're going to wrap this lesson up on next week. But as always, if you have any questions uh, from today's lesson, We've covered the first 14 verses of Leviticus chapter number 23. If you have any questions from those verses today, please feel free to drop those questions in the comment section. If you're joining us in the morning session, please give me a moment or two uh, to wrap up um and uh, i'll be more than happy to be found answering your questions to the best of our ability and of course if you're in the evening class um all i need is for you to know that we are behind the scenes and uh, we'll be found answering your questions to the best of our ability again i thank god for this opportunity i thank god for this privilege to be able to share his word with you today Um, I thank you for your patience and your understanding. Modern technology has not really worked with us today, uh, but nevertheless, we thank God uh, for the avail of technology. We thank God that we are able to share uh, God's word with you. Uh, Through the avail of technology, and I pray today, as always, that uh, you are being helped, you are being blessed, you're being inspired, you're being informed, and above all, you are being encouraged. Um, In the way of announcements, as we get ready to part ways today, uh, in the way of announcements, let me just remind us very quickly, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, there will be no prayer meeting tomorrow. Tomorrow, there will be no prayer meeting uh, due to the fact that we will be sharing with Word Tabernacle tomorrow at 12 noon for their Lenten Word on Wednesday. And of course, that will be shared here on all of the major uh, social media sites. So if you're following us via social media, uh, you can always go to Facebook and YouTube and you'll be able to join us in that hour long service. It is from 12 to 1 p.m. on tomorrow. Um, also, Inspirational Voices, don't forget you have rehearsal tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock. Cyber Sunday School will replay tomorrow at 6 p.m. We will dive into 1 uh, Timothy chapter 4 on Thursday as our part of our New Testament word study. Uh, we invite you to join us for that time of walking through the word of God together. Uh, don't forget we are beginning a brand new month. The first Sunday of March uh, is here. This is Missions Month at St. James Church as we are getting ready for our annual World Missions Conference, which will be held on Saturday, March the 9th, 2024. Um, We'll begin with breakfast and a time of fellowship at 930. The session begins at 10. We are excited to welcome the Reverend Dr. Alfonso Lewis from the Washington DC area. He will be with us on Saturday, that Saturday morning uh, to lead us into understanding ministry to the least, the lost and the left out. Um, Dr. Lewis is also not only a retired pastor, but he is also a licensed clinical professional counselor. And he's gonna share with us some tips and tools, not only from the word of God, but even from his professional trade of how we must minister to those who are hurt and are hurting in this last and evil day. So if you're in or near the Rocky Mount area, we invite you to join us that Saturday morning. Uh, We'll be serving breakfast and lunch that day. Um, And Dr. Lewis is going to bless us immensely. You will be immensely blessed uh, by the message and by that time of teaching, training, and instruction. So mark your calendars and make plans to join us on that Saturday. We again are also gearing up, getting ready for um, the Easter season as we lead up to Holy Week, the last week in the month of March. Uh, We have our regular schedule of events that will take place. We will um, do Bible study, Old Testament Bible study will take place on that Tuesday. Um, On that Wednesday will be our one night spring revival. Uh, Pastor Hailey Richardson and her good people from the St. Gideon Missionary Baptist Church of Hollister, North Carolina, will be our special guest on that Wednesday. On that Thursday night is our Back to the Old Landmark prayer meeting as we go back to the old fashioned way of singing and praying, crying out to God. Uh, that being Monday, Thursday, we will observe our Lord's Supper. And then on Good Friday, Good Friday, uh, we have the seven last words being presented by our associate ministers on Good Friday evening at seven pm. Um, in addition to the Eastern North Carolina Ministerial Alliance's uh, Good Friday service that will be held that Friday afternoon at twelve noon at Word Tabernacle Church. So we invite you to join us, make plans to join us as we prepare for the fifth Sunday in th- no in the month of March as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, 2024. We're excited about all that God is doing. Wanna encourage you to stay focused, stay faithful, walk in his will, stay in his word, and you will not be in his way. We're continuing to pray for all of those who are sick, the afflicted, the careless, the unconcerned, families whose hearts are saddened in bereavement. Let's continue to keep them in our prayers as well. Until next Tuesday, beloveds, be blessed and know as always, it is my will, but it's got to be the will of God that we'll be together next week as we continue to walk through the word of God. Join me now, if you will, in a word of closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we tell you, thank you now for this privilege. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. God, I tell you, thank you for knowing that even though the grass may wither, even though the flowers may fade, your word will stand forever. God, I pray now that you would allow us to see the importance of remembering your sacrifices, to remember everything that you have done for us and be found telling you thank you in our worship, in our praise, in our celebration of all that you continue to do. Bless us and we'll be blessed. Keep us and we'll be kept as we will be found continuing to give your name, the praise, the glory, and all of the honor. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray and we praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Until next week, beloveds, be blessed, and know as always, we love you all.